this should be presented as, you know, this is the way animals function. This is the way humans function. If you put this and this together, there will be a pregnancy and we want to prevent unplanned pregnancy. Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is Dr. Sophia Yen. She graduated MIT with a degree in biology and at UC Berkeley, she obtained her MPH in child and maternal health. She's also the co-founder and CEO of Pandia Health, a birth control delivery service that provides a doctor's consult. You can basically get your contraception delivered to your home We'll really be getting into dissecting contraception, how you get it, addressing all those myths out there, and also looking at all the methods that are available and right for you. Dr. Sophia Yen, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, I believe that we have something very much in common, that you and I have found each other and we believe that every woman around the world who's in her fertile years needs to have access to contraception. Of course. Why wouldn't you want that for everybody? How did you get there? I think, you know, as a sexually active 15-year-old pre-med, I did not want to get pregnant. And pregnant could not figure in the next four years of college, four years of medical school, three years of residency, And it just, you know, upset me that I wouldn't be given the tools to prevent unplanned pregnancy. And so it's so important that people have access to comprehensive sexuality education, abstinence, plus all of the methods, and then also access. So Mm -hmm. I was a Planned Parenthood pregnancy test counselor, and a 13-year-old young woman came in and she had a positive test, and she decided to continue the pregnancy. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, we're going on two totally different paths. You are going to start the cycle of teenage pregnancy. And how hard is it going to be for her to graduate high school, college, higher education? And I'm going to go on to MIT, UCSF, clinical associate professor at Stanford, CEO of the only women-founded, women-led, doctor-led birth control delivery company. What different paths And how different would her life have been if she had had access to comprehensive sex ed and Mm. birth control options and the empowerment as a woman to know you don't have to have sex if you don't want to and Mm -hmm. that there are other things you can do, mutual masturbation or other stuff. Ooh, okay. Oh, so much to unpick here. First of all, why don't you just tell our listeners what contraception is? Because there's people out there who don't even... (laughs) know how it works, what it is, where to find it. So give us, give us your best on what is contraception. So there are at least 10 different methods, totally different methods of contraception and probably 12 or 13 if you count um, fertility awareness methods and abstinence. But contraception, contra, against or blocking, ception, conception, when the egg and sperm hooks up. So contraception is preventing the egg and sperm hooking up, attaching to the side of the uterus, and then resulting in a baby nine months from now. And Mm -hmm. that can be, you know, we like to start with the best and work our way down. So the new paradigm in contraception counseling 
is you start with the IUD and the implant, which, oh, vasectomy is number one, but we're often talking to the person with the uterus. If you can convince your partner of vasectomy and you no longer need any babies, then vasectomy. But if you are considering Mm -hmm. babies in the future, then no. (laughs) And then um, IUD and implant are the most effective. Then Mm -hmm. comes tubal ligation, and it blows my mind that the IUD and implant beats tubal ligation, which is snip, snip, take out an inch, burn or tie that your body really wants to get pregnant if it gets pregnant after tubal ligation. Then comes the shot, the ring, the patch, the pill, condoms, spermicide, withdrawal, abstinence. I mean, abstinence is 100% if you can practice it. But if you have people swear, commit to abstinence, at the end of the year, there's a very high pregnancy rate. Well, let's be honest. No one's committing to abstinence. I mean, it's just not happening. Nuns and priests. Nuns and and even then priests and pedophilia, but that's a different thing. It's a whole different thing. So you're obviously highly unqualified to talk about all of this. MIT, I mean, Berkeley, you've, you've had an incredible career in maternal child health as a doctor. Where do you see the gaps right now? You know, I've traveled the world. I I know that at least 350 million women want access to contraception, don't have it. Where do you see the opportunity here with girls and women who want access, don't have it? What's the solution? So, you know, in the United States, they've talked about taking birth control over the counter. And our company is even better than over-the-counter. Because when you go over-the-counter, you have to go into the pharmacy. And the pharmacist may slut-shame you, or your boss may come in, and it's like kind of like buying condoms. Somebody can see you, you know, or the PTA president is going to blab it to everyone. So having it delivered to your home and available 24-7 from wherever you have internet and a mailbox is a great thing. On the global level, it's about having access to all the methods, as well as we still have so much innovation that needs to be done in birth control options. So right now, there's a one-year vaginal ring. And I was like, this is amazing. We're going to blow the IUD and the implant out of the water because mm-hmm. you don't need an invasive procedure. Just stick it up your vagina and you could change it, um, take it out after three weeks and have a bleed. Or you could just leave it in the entire mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And that is amazing. However, they made it with only 13 micrograms of estrogen. And as an adolescent medicine specialist, we don't recommend less than 30, three zero micrograms of estrogen for your bone health and bone density. So mm. any drug maker out there, please make a 30 microgram vaginal okay. ring. Okay. And then it only comes with one progesterone. So there are eight different progesterones. Let's try the other progesterones because different women respond differently to different progesterones. And mm-hmm. so we want to give you, if that one gives you side effects, and let's try a different one. Same thing with the IUD. There is only one hormone right now in all the hormonal IUDs, and it's levonorgestrel. And levonorgestrel in some people causes zits and weight gain and other stuff like that. Others have not noticed that on the IUD. But for those that suffer it, please give us the other seven progesterone Mm. IUDs. Now, have you heard of the drug Cyanopress, which is the injectable contraception that lasts for, I think, three or six months? 
So there is Depo Provera. Yes. What Do you know what the ingredient, is that the same one? Same. Is, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I totally forgot the injectable. Yes, the injectable, Any it, the efficacy of the drugs on the lower level when you're below the implant depends how often you have to think about it. So with an injection, it's every 12 weeks that you could mess up. With a patch, it's every week. With a ring, it's every month. Mm-hmm. And with a pill, it's mm-hmm. every single day. And so the injection is a great option However, the major side effect is munchies. And for the first world countries where obesity affects 60% of the country, I generally don't recommend it, but it's better to be a, have munchies and gain a little weight than to be pregnant when mm. you don't want to be pregnant. So whatever mm-hmm. method works for you, yay. But mm-hmm. the other thing is it takes an injection. So you have mm-hmm. to have needles, you have to have the ability to inject yourself, though there is a subcutaneous one that you can do yourself, which I think is pretty mild and pretty amazing. And then the other concern with Depo-Provera is bone density, again. Mm. So it um, arrests your bone accrual while you're on it. But the good news is when you come off, it comes back. And Mm. so that's great. So I'm really not concerned as much with the bone density as long as you are getting enough calcium and enough nutrition in general, but also that when you come off, it'll come back. Mm. First of all, in the U.S., let's just talk about the U.S. alone. How many women need access to contraception and don't have it. You got that stat? Well, we have that 10 million women currently use the birth control pill patch or ring and another 7 million would if, quote, easily available. So I would say that 7 million is that opportunity. And then there's the IUD and implant and how I think 60% of the counties don't have a provider that can do an IUD or an implant Mm. because oftentimes... Mm. It has to be an OB-GYN unless it's a pediatrician, adolescent medicine specialist, or FP. FP is very comfortable. Internal medicine, maybe not. Trained to put in an IUD. Mm. So um, an Mm. IUD is the best method out there or the implant, and Mm. you have to be trained. The implant, my joke is, my 11-year-old could do it. We could teach everybody to put it in. It's pretty easy. As you have mentioned, you are the co-founder and CEO of Pandia Health. And and we at The Body Agency are very, very excited about your company. And we will be partnering with you to offer uh, customers access to contraception and also to a consult with a doctor. So you essentially do not need to leave your home. You can get your pills or whatever you want delivered to your house every single month. So you can take that job off your hands. I know, gosh, from when I was a young girl, I actually only took the pill, I think for a year of my life. And I remember trying to really figure out logistics on, you know, going to Planned Parenthood, my mother not finding out. I mean, oh my gosh, it was an absolute nightmare. But tell us the top reasons that women, I mean, that 7 million, or what did you say, 10 million Currently use, and then 7 million would use, if easily available. 7 million. But we've got 250, 300 million people living in the States. So let's say half of that are women. Let's just say there are 100 million women in the States that need access to contraception. That's a really low figure. And now what is going on here? And what are the reasons why women are not actually taking birth control? Well, if somebody prescribes birth control, the number one reason, one of the top reasons we found and why I started this company, I was giving a talk to doctors, why don't women take their birth control that we prescribe them? 
And the number, one of the top reasons was they didn't have it in their hand. They didn't have the time to run to the pharmacy every single month for 30 years of their lives. And the insurance companies sometimes are difficult and they limit you to only seven days before, can, within seven days, can't be greater than seven days before to get your medication. And so most of us who are responsible will run out on Sunday, but then we'll mm-hmm. go the weekend before. And that's eight or nine days ahead. And the pharmacy mm-hmm. is like, sorry, can't pay for it. You know, you got to pay for it out of pocket unless you come back Monday. And it's like, but I'm here now and I don't have time to come back. So mm-hmm. um, that is the cause for those who've been prescribed. But for that 7 million, it's because they don't have access to a doctor. They don't have time. They're mm-hmm. too busy. Or, you know, if you call an ob office before COVID, it was a three-month wait. Now that there's COVID, we have backup because all the people we didn't see, and now we need everybody to come in for their pap smear, right, um, that needs their pap smear. And so uh, it's about access to people that can do it. There's access to people who are comfortable with it. So pediatricians could absolutely write birth control for anybody 12 and up that needs it, or hopefully later 14 and up or 16 and up. But if they're not comfortable, if they're not trained, if they're biased, One example I give is there was a 20-year-old woman from North Carolina, now, not like 1970s or 1950s, married, went into the OB-GYN and said, I'd like some birth control. Oh, actually 26, because you'll see what comes. And he puts his hand on her shoulder and he says, honey, don't you think it's time for you to have kids? And it's like, I came to you because of OB-GYN, because I'm 26 and a professional, to get birth control. And you're like, honey, why don't you have kids? And she just... Like, oh, okay. And she walked around. I was like, did you report him? Did you do something? Did you write a horrible Yelp review or something? Because that's ridiculous. Awful, awful. I'm sure he was a man in a gray suit. Yes. Oh, that's a whole different podcast. So I want to talk about some of the weird things that go on during our periods or during our taking of contraceptive lives. First of all, What's the deal with weird pooping during your period, right? Because I've personally gone through that. I want to know why that's happening. And do other people suffer or am I on my own? I am so glad you brought that up because even I, as a physician, you know, as a doctor, we only care, does it kill you? Does it not kill you? Do I need to put you in the hospital? Do I not need to put you in the hospital? And then can I do something about it with a drug or treatment? And so no one ever taught me in medical school that 30% of women on their period have some poop-related situation. Mm -hmm. And I personally, when it comes, get diarrhea. Other people get constipated. I think most Mm -hmm. people run on the diarrhea side. And so not only am I bleeding blood, now I'm oozing on the other side and I get a (laughs) monthly zit. It's all sorts of horror, you know? So great to be a female. So great. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, Let exactly. That. Just know what we go through, please. You don't know any of this. That's why you should be listening to this podcast, because we are getting down about what really goes on with women down there. Exactly. Yen, carry exactly. on with your explanation. <laughs> and so what it is, is that when you have periods, the hormones are going up and down, up and down, up and down, and other things are being released, prostaglandins. So it's telling your body, hey, you know, you need to do some cramps to push out Mm -hmm. all of this lining Mm -hmm. because you didn't get pregnant. So you got to push out this lining. 
And it's the prostaglandins, we believe, that is affecting the gut system. And so um, one way to avoid this is hashtag periods optional. So if you go to pandiahealth.com forward slash periods optional, the bottom is my TEDx talk on the science and safety of not having any periods or at least fewer periods or scheduling when and where and how often you want. And the bottom line TLDR is use any hormonal form of, of birth control, not for birth control, but for menstrual mm. regulation. Um, mm. So that is a way to, I think, the best way. But the other way would be to consider taking maybe a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, which would decrease the prostaglandin, which would then decrease... Um, the blood flow. So if you take 600 milligrams of ibuprofen three times a day with food, if you take it without food, you're going to end up with an ulcer. Don't blame me because I'm telling you now, with food for mm -hmm. up to five days, that will decrease the amount of blood loss by 30%. And I bet you will also treat the gut symptoms. Mm. So your period when you menstruate, it's essentially the old eggs and the lining of your uterus coming out, right? Exactly. That's what, it, that's what it is. Exactly. And so, however, if you're on the birth control pill patch ring, it's actually not a menstruation, not a period. We call it a withdrawal bleed. And so mm -hmm. when you're on the pill patch ring, we keep your hormones up for three weeks. And then there's this one week of sugar placebo. And this week is totally optional. You don't have, you can do it every three months. You can do it every six months. You can do it once a year. I haven't bled for the past 11 years, as long as I keep taking my pills every single day. Mm -hmm. But if I forget for three days in a row, then I have a bleed and like fine. And I'll just come off for five days and then I'll start back up on day six. So just to back on the bleeding a second, why is it that in the beginning of your period, you get like a heavy, heavy, like, chainsaw massacre kind of situation going on. And yes. then towards the end of it, you get the sort of like light brown, maybe yes. lumpy. I yes. mean, this is gross, but why is that? Talk us through the science of that. Yeah. So again, same sort of thing is happening in your body. The estrogen progesterone levels are high. And then when it drops, it's that drop that triggers your body. Oh, she's not pregnant. We're not doing it this month. And so we're not having a baby this month. And so when those hormones dropped, it's triggered the lining to like shed. And so the big thing you're seeing is the shed. And then the leftover is just the leftover kind of dribble. Mm -hmm. And for each woman, it's different. Some women just have kind of a brown, kind of old blood going on. If you have bright red blood coming out really, really fast, then that may be too much blood, too fast coming out. So if you're a person that gets anemic, the number one cause of anemia in a menstruating woman is menstruation, then mm. please see your doctor because you may be losing too much blood each month. And then we expect the brown blood at the end. And for me, again, just to share so that everybody can normalize, I have like a done, and then a couple days later, I have a couple more. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what the, like I'm done, but how come like one day off and then three more days of random blood? So it, it, each person with a uterus is different and you get to know your cycle, and it should be the same throughout. If it ever changes, then you should see a physician to see if there's anything causing that, though certainly as we go through different stages in our life, menopause, then things are gonna change up again. Yeah, oh, don't get me started about that. Okay, so how many days after your last bleeding day 
are you the most fertile? As in when you start ovulating? This is a basic sex ed that I wish that everybody knows and we should quiz and make sure because it kills me every single time when a young person comes into my clinic and they're like, I had the first day of my period 14 days ago and then we had sex today and we didn't use a condom or the condom popped and they're there for emergency contraception. And I'm like, of all days, this is not the day. So the answer to your question is 14 days, two weeks Mm -hmm. after the first day of your bleed is generally when the egg pops out and when you're fertile. However, that 14 days can move around depending on stress. So ovulation Mm. um, goes further away if you're stressed out. So any of us who've been like freaking out for finals have noticed that our period takes longer to come. And it's because we were stressed out and we pushed out the ovulation day. Because once you ovulate, then the whole lining and the clock and the shedding of the uterus is like clockwork. But the variable part is when you ovulate. Okay. So now to get down in a little graphic, when you are ovulating, we also get like a little spongy, mucousy discharge. Yes. Tell us about that. Is that, is that normal? Should we oh, be yes. freaked out? What is yeah. That? So again, was never taught in medical school about the cervical mucus changes that happen to a woman throughout her cycle. And um, if anybody's trying to get pregnant, Taking Charge of Your Fertility is a great book that teaches you all about cervical mucus. But what happens is during the time that you're building up that lining in the uterus, the uterus needs to be clean and sterile and be ready to grow an embryo for you know the next nine months. And so there's a cervical mucus plug. And when you add progesterone to that, it's like cement. But right at ovulation, that plug, which is blocking access to the uterus, poof, pops out. And so as you, people that are on the fertility side, you can wipe yourself and check your cervical mucus. And sometimes it's stretchy and that's the most fertile time. Sometimes it's dry. So that means the cervix is closed and nothing's going in. And then when you see that pop of the cervical mucus plug, Go, because the opening is open, and this is when you want to throw sperm up there if you're trying to get pregnant. But isn't it interesting, though? I mean, again, I speak from my own experience. When you're ovulating, you actually feel a little bit more horny. Yes. I mean, isn't yes. that? Yes, exactly that? Okay, so- it. I was upset with the teenagers. Like, why are you always having sex exactly at ovulation? Damn you, because we're trying to prevent unplanned <laughs> pregnancy in teenagers. Yeah. And I realize it's pheromones. I mean, it's biology. You're building this up. You're popping out an egg. So the female is putting out messages, do me. And then this other side, you know, because it has (laughs) to be heterosexual to reproduce, is like, yeah. And then getting it on, you know. And so it's not your fault if you're horny. And if you're horny, it's fine. Just, you know, if you don't want to be pregnant, so many different types of birth control out there. Get one Mm. that works for you. And then in general, my feminist um, pitch is use a condom. And mainly because I don't want to drip the other person's secretions for 24 hours, right? Because if you don't use a condom, I run to the bathroom and then do some kegels to squatch out as much sperm as I can. But then... I'm still leaking sperm for like 24 hours. And like if the dude had to leak my stuff for 24 hours, he sure as heck would make sure that we use the equivalent (laughs) of the condom so he doesn't have to leak my fluids for 24 hours, right? Totally, totally. Oh, could not agree more. Okay, so let's get on to the myths here because, oh, I mean, drummed into us by our mothers 
uh, which sticks with us. So many myths. The pills cause cancer. You can't get pregnant if you've been on the pill for a long time or an IUD. You have an ID inserted, then you're never going to be able to get pregnant. So many myths. What? First of all, tell us what the myths actually are and tell us what's true, what's not. Number one myth I think that women are into, and it's a sad thing, is that the pill makes you gain weight. And the research Mm -hmm. has shown if you put 50 women on the pill, 50 women not on the pill, the women on the pill average a pound less. And it's because the women not on the pill are bloating up, bloating down, bloating up, bloating down. So you'll average a pound more over the month or over months that we're following you versus the women over here, which is flat hormone and then bleed, flat hormone and then bleed. And so the pill does not make you gain weight. However, we have to you know, acknowledge that every woman is different and that there are eight different progesterones. And so if you mm-hmm. respond to a progesterone, it gives you the munchies, then you need to be aware of that and either compensate by doing diet soda and sugar-free gum and celery and healthier snacks versus what I would do is ice cream and French fries <laughs> and chocolate because I just love dessert. So if it gives you the munchies, then either change to a different progesterone that doesn't have that effect on you or know it and and deal with it. So that's number one. Number Mm. two makes you infertile. And my joke is, yeah, it makes you infertile while you're taking it because that's why you're taking it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, long-term consequences, when you come off, it does not make you infertile. This includes the IUD, the implant, the shot, the pill, the patch, the ring, obviously condoms. The reason why it might get this reputation is if you put 100 women on the birth control pill, when they come off, we expect 10% of them to have difficulty getting pregnant. It has nothing to do with the birth control pill. What it has to do with is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So if you all don't know about PCOS, Google Pandia Health and PCOS, I have a great article there, but there's also Young Women's Health Center, which is out of Harvard and Boston that has great info on PCOS. But TLDR, mm-hmm. 10% of women will get polycystic ovarian syndrome. And those women will have a hard time getting pregnant. So let me repeat the experiment. You take 100 women and put them on the pill. You have 100 women not on the pill. And then 10 years later, you say, all right, come off the pill, stay where you are, and let's all get pregnant. 10% of both groups would have a hard time getting pregnant because 10% of those women have PCOS. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the pill, the patch, the ring, the IUD, the implant, whatever. It simply has to do with PCOS. And so um, the other random tidbit I want to reassure people that doesn't cause infertility is if you ask a PCOS doctor, what do we treat women with PCOS to want to get pregnant? Part of the treatment is birth control pills because the PCOS women, their hormones are weird. And so then they can't pop out an egg every single month. And if you can't pop an egg, then you can't get pregnant. By putting them on the birth control, we normalize their hormones. And when they come off, that is the most fertile. So a lot of PCOS women hear, oh, you're going to have a hard time getting pregnant. So they're like, okay, I'll come off and give it a couple months or a year to get pregnant. But bam, right after you come off is your most fertile time. Take advantage of it. Don't wait because your hormones are only going to get weirder and it's going to only be harder for a PCOS patient to get pregnant once they come Mm -hmm. off the birth control pill patch ring. Now, what about acne? Oh, yes. People say that the birth control pill makes their acne worse. 
And the thing is, the research has shown no matter what birth control pill you go on, it makes your acne better. However, again, there are eight different progesterones. And as I mentioned, alluded to before, the older progesterones, so levonorgestrel, norethindrone, are known to have more masculine side effects, such as acne or hairiness or munchies and stuff like that. And so at Pandia Health, we are the only doctor-led, the only academic doctor-led physician in this space, um, company, birth control. And so we've looked at the side effects. And so we like to write desogestrel, which seems to work well in ethnic minorities, Asians, Latinos, Blacks, and then anybody who wants to um, skip their periods and is a pretty good one for acne. Another good one for acne is norgestimate, but we found that with ethnic minorities, there's a lot of breakthrough bleeding. But if you're a Caucasian female that wants to bleed every single month, norgestimate is a great one and does well on acne. Then there's drospirinone, which um, in the UK is like ciproheptadine or something like that, acetates. There's a similar sister drug to that. It has a diuretic effect to it, theoretically. So we always ask our patients, can you drink eight glasses of water a day? Because if you can't, then you're going to end up with headaches. And so I had patients that came from Asia where you can just buy it over the counter, and they had headaches, and they were on Yaz, Yasmin, generic. And I was like what are you on? They told me that. And I was like, didn't you know that you have to drink eight glasses mm -hmm. of water a day? And as soon as we stopped it, their headaches went away. But that mm -hmm. one is a great one for acne. So you can actually mm -hmm. use birth control to treat acne. And I personally used to get a North Star giant zit here, here, here every single month until I went on the birth control pill. Mm. So talk to us about estrogen and uh, how much that really matters, especially when we're looking at the IUD, we have to choose between copper versus, uh, well, tell us about that whole situation because I've always been, I shouldn't say this, afraid of the IUD, like the thought of that contraption going up there uh, with a little string hanging down. I mean, it just, ooh. So I've never I've never had an IUD. I've watched many of them being, being inserted. So Amazing. I know that it's not a scary thing. I know, yes. but- I can tell you that a lot of people are scared to put a contraption in their uterus. Yes. <laughs> so talk to us about copper versus what else is out there and which one we should be doing and the importance of estrogen with our IUD. Yeah. So your options are copper versus levonorgestrel hormone-containing. With the levonorgestrel hormone-containing, there's different levels of the hormone, and I would never go lower than what the standard is because with the lower you go, it isn't as efficacious in terms of time. So the standard one is five to seven years. The lower one is three years. And then with the lower dose, you get monthly bleeds. And why bleed if you don't have to? So 30% of those on the hormonal standard dose will lose their periods and 70% will get lighter. So it's kind of awesome. And it's actually used as a treatment for dysmenorrhea or menorrhagia, actually. Heavy, horrific periods they will put in IUD with hormone just for that alone, nothing to do with birth control. Between copper and the hormonal, the copper, I think it's really important if you didn't get advised, but you absolutely should, because I see it all over Reddit. Like, I got the copper IUD, and now I'm bleeding like stink, and I have horrible cramps. And I was like, did no one counsel you? Those are the top two known side effects. How could they put in a copper IUD in you without telling you, horrible, you know, a lot more blood, a lot more cramps. And maybe because they didn't want the power of suggestion. 
right? If we told you more blood, more cramps, then you would notice and experience it more. And they've actually shown there's a placebo effect, but this is the nocebo effect, noxious, you know, that we tell you you're going to have the side effect. And so then you do. So that's the difference between the two. And yes, there is no um, estrogen involved, but I think with the new IUDs, um, we're still studying it that the hormone level is low enough that it doesn't affect your normal hormone level. So the concern, as you had mentioned, is anything with less than 30 micrograms of estrogen for a birth control pill has been shown, or patch or ring, probably. You can you know, spread it to those, but not to the IUD. Anything less than 30 micrograms um, is not good for your bone density. And I've heard scary stories about IUDs getting locked into the lines of the uterus and all of those scary things. How often is that really happening? It's like one out of, I feel, 100,000, but it's also operator dependent. So if it were me, my friend, my daughter, my patient, ask how many the person has done. And if you can, try to get the person that's done the most because mm. the person who's done the least is more likely to perforate the uterus. And that sounds like horrible, but it's not like blowing up the uterus. Just imagine taking a needle and sticking it in your arm, which we do all the time for vaccinations or to draw blood or whatever. That's basically what it is. Because the IUD is literally the size of two toothpicks and thinner mm. than my finger, for sure. And so it's just going into the muscle and it shouldn't be done that way. But sometimes if the uterus is not in the way we expect it, so if it's flipped this way or flipped that way when we expect it like this, then if you can imagine we're going like this, we're gonna go through one of the walls. So again, it, it's having a practitioner who knows what they're doing, who's done a ton of these. With the IUD, what I like to say is if you get it done on your period, you're not creating any new holes because it's going through the cervix when the mm. mucus is open and it's just going in there and opening up like a little umbrella. So mm. the question is, do you want to take, you want something in your arm, which, you know, there's been stories of the implant moving around, or do you want something in your uterus? And the implant, my only negative on that is it's a systemic side effect. So if you're one of the people that get a systemic side effect, and again, it's only one hormone. So somebody please invent some other ones with the other hormones. But it's a pretty good hormone, the one that's the implant. So to talk about efficiency here and efficiency rate. Efficacy? Yes, efficacy. So when I was taking the pill, I would forget one day and then I would take two the next. That's wrong, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's what right to do that because that's what you can do in that situation. But it would be ideal if you didn't miss a day. Mm -hmm. And how effective is taking the pill every day? Is it 99% effective? I hear so many stories of people getting pregnant on the pill. Is it because yeah. they haven't taken it properly? Or Yes. It's mainly yes. user error. In perfect use situation, it's like 97% effective. So number mm -hmm. one is user error, remembering to take it at the same time every single day. And mm -hmm. then the second one is BMI. We're learning that body mass index, everything in medicine is tested on, our joke, 70 kilo white male, and probably mm -hmm. some equivalent of that for birth control. And anything that deviates from, quote, the norm or whatever they tested it on, they don't know or they don't have data or I'm from pediatrics. We dose everything in milligrams per kilogram. And that's probably the way all medicines should be dosed. So that way, if you're a scrawny woman, we don't overdose you and you have side effects from too much drug. And if you're a larger woman, we give you enough 
to get what it is that you want. And so they've shown that if you have a BMI greater than 30 or 35, which luckily isn't too, it could be 30% of the population, then these methods don't work as well. And so the patch and the ring specifically say, if your BMI is 30 or greater, don't use us. So the last two questions I have for you, because sadly we're running out of time. Talk to you for hours. The pull-out method. Oh, oh, the favorite pull-out method. Let me tell you something, Sophia. Most boys, and I talk about boys, when they start to have sex, think that the pull-out method is the way to go. Tell us about that situation. So first of all, as soon as the penis is erect, sometimes there's some pre-ejaculate. And they used to think it was leftover sperm from you masturbating or from, you know, wet dream or whatever. But they've actually shown that even if you didn't recently have one of those events, as soon as you're erect, there is pre-ejaculate, pre-cum, and that can have like 10,000 sperm in it. And certainly wow. you only need one sperm, but there is a certain threshold of sperm that you need because some die in the process or whatever. But um, they tested men and 50% of them had something in there and 50% of them didn't. And we don't know who you are until we test it. And then it varies from thing to thing. And if you did recently masturbate or if you did have a wet dream or whatever, that will obviously add to the situation. So that's why when we're teaching people about sexually transmitted disease prevention, but also about pregnancy prevention, as soon as the penis is erect, slap a condom on it. Um, So that's one risk. But then the other risk is as an animal, the whole goal is to reproduce. So if you do the withdrawal method enough times, the body's like, I'm not shooting 250 million at a time. I'm and then holding and you know, and, and it's not getting the results I want. And so the body's like, I'm going to shoot before I pull out. And so some people that practice the withdrawal method notice they'll have a pre-squirt or that somehow you can't control the brain. And you may think you like, I have total control. You do not have total control. You are having sex. You are enjoying an animalistic, hedonistic, fun thing. And to pull out is like not cool. So like put on a condom and enjoy. Well, not to mention that a lot of men can't. They think they're going to pull out and then, oops, no. No, so And yeah, then who's good. screwed? The woman, yeah. the person yes. with the uterus and the vagina. You walk away. And yeah, you'll support mm. us, blah, blah. But how many teenage dads walk away? How many men walk away? Yep. Uh, very last question. Talking to your kids about contraception. What's the right age and how do you do it? I think that, you know, I'm a pre-med. I'm an Asian-American and I believe in science. And so this is purely... Mm science. This should be presented as, you know, this is the way animals function. This is the way humans function. If you put this and this together, there will be a pregnancy and we want to prevent unplanned pregnancy. And so one is, you know, the expectation. At what age and when do I expect you to have sex and what kind of relationship? And so I say anybody you have sex with, you better be prepared to have a baby with because from the penis side, it's her body, her decision, And if she wants to continue it, and even if they say, oh, you don't have me involved, me and my mom will take care of it, this baby will hunt you down in 18 years and be like, where the hell were you my entire life? So anytime you have sex with someone, make sure, is this a person I want to have a lifelong relationship because it could go that way, particularly if you're in a state that outlaws abortion or makes it very difficult to access. So I would say you need to start talking contraception ideally before anybody can get pregnant. 
So they do have a sex talk um, mandate in the United States, though not everywhere and not consistently and not medically accurate. Usually they have the period time. And I think they should also hit contraception there, but they don't because some people will get pregnant before the contraception talk, which usually happens in ninth grade, or I've seen a junior year. And I was like, please call me in before junior prom and senior prom because yeah. we know stuff happens then. But I believe the statistic is 10% of high school freshmen one out of 10, three out of every classroom of 30 students has had vaginal, you know, heterosexual sex. Mm. So if you think that that's too early, then you're sticking your head in the sand. Yeah. And I also heard something horrific the other day that uh, kids are, they are abstaining from having intercourse, but they are having oral sex. And of course, HPV can be prominent for a, a man in his throat to get cancer yes. and obviously yes. cervical cancer for a girl. So oh, all of these things are extremely worrying. Well, as I said before, Sophia, we are very, very excited about what you're bringing to the world, access to contraception and making it easy for girls and women to get it delivered to their door and consult with a doctor that is specialized in these topics is going to make this world a better place. And we're very excited at the Body Agency to go on this journey with you to also help you to scale this amazing company. And as a female founder to a female founder, and I know how hard it is in this sector to get funding and the support that you need, I congratulate you for getting Pandia Health to where it is today and very much look forward to working with you. And for all you listeners out there, if you go to thebodyagency.com, you will be able to get more information on how you get your pills for $15 a month if you do not have health insurance. And free if you have health insurance, no copay, no deductible. And we love free. Sophia, thank you so much for being with us today. I'll definitely have you back on. You are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for all you do for the humankind. Thank you, Kate. You are doing a great thing with The Body Agency, and we are glad to partner with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all of my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. Be sure to sign up for our email list at thebodyagency.com for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotion code to get a 10% discount, podcast10. Thanks for listening.